0: Our Gospel reading this morning comes from Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. Listen to this reading from Mark. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue, named Jairus, came and when he saw him, fell at Jesus' feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. <clears throat> so he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for twelve years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had had, and she was no better, and, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that the power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all aside, and he took the child's father and mother, And those who were with him and went in where the child was, he took her by the hand and said to her, little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. God is still speaking.
1: So the sermon title is called Unexpected Miracles, but so we understand what we're talking about. What's a miracle? What is? Don't give me an example of a miracle. What is a miracle?
0: Something that happens that should not
1: be happening. Something that happens that should not be happening. Here's a, okay. I often ask questions where there are really wrong answers. And I understand why people don't want to answer that, but this is one where, like, so this is, this is your time. Something that happened that shouldn't happen. Yeah? Uh, something that happens that cannot be explained. Something that happens that cannot be explained. Something good that happens, that cannot explain. There are miracles on the other end that we don't really classify as miracles. That just kind of stuff happens, right? Something that we can't explain. That we can't explain. How many of you heard this definition when you were growing up, that a miracle is a suspension of natural laws? <laughs> yeah, I see a lot of heads going, yeah. And we wonder why people don't believe in miracles. Because when... Uh, You talk about something that physically can't happen, and yet it does. We say, well, that's a real miracle. And interestingly enough, the church really doesn't define miracles that way. Matter of fact, St. Augustine, I like St. Augustine a lot sometimes, and I dislike him immensely other times. But St. Augustine, when he became uh, the bishop, um, he said, you know, everyone focuses on the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine at the marriage of Cana. But they don't focus on the miracle of grapes that ferment and become wine through yeast and this other process. And anyone who has had a very, very nice Cabernet from Rutherford Bench in Napa has tasted a miracle. <laughs> Do I have an amen? And if we look for something that is, a suspension is like, oh, you know, this could... You know, Archie Bunker said, you know, faith is believing in something that no one in their right mind would believe. (laughs) And I don't think that you want to listen to Archie Bunker and everything that he says. But I like the definitions that have been shared, that a miracle is something that we can't explain, something wonderful, something that just strikes us with, wow, didn't see that coming that's what i really kind of want you to hang on to. Now, this sermon's going to be a little different, not that they're all not they're all they're all kind of different. All right. So that's probably a stupid thing to say. But i want you to where do you fit in this story? We're going to go through this story and instead of talking about what it means, i want you to think where would i be? Who would i be? So Jesus is talking And he's around the synagogue temple. Now, we've already had a situation where there's a lot of people who don't like what Jesus is having to say because he's questioning the religious authorities. And he's questioning power, and he's taking power from one place, and he's giving it somewhere else. And people in power, people like me, who are a religious leader, thank you very much, I wear the stole, don't like when that happens. But now something fascinating happens. Jairus, who is the synagogue leader, his daughter is sick and at the point of death. You are a parent, your child is sick, what wouldn't you do? What wouldn't you do for a sick kid? There is really nothing. It's like, I don't know what Jairus thought of Jesus before, but it's like, the man can help. And he might very well have been telling the people in his flock that you know you need to be careful about this guy. Certainly there are people that are milling around suddenly Driver shows up and he's literally he's on his knees saying help me my daughter's at the point of death I need help. This is good theater. Cool. This guy's just humbled himself in front of Jesus. Now we get to find out, is Jesus going to be able to help the guy's daughter? This is a win-win for us in the crowd, right? This is a good day. Someone's going to be embarrassed. Somebody might be helped. This is just Something's going to happen today. This is better than watching soap operas. So we're going along, and it's like, you know, I, I want to see how this plays out. This will be fun to watch. Meanwhile, there's a woman who suffered from an issue of blood for ten years. Ten years. She's gone to doctor after doctor, physician after physician, and no one can help her. And matter of fact, if anything, they've made it worse. And she sees this commotion, and they're all heading to the leader of the synagogue's house, and she says, you know what? If I but touch the hem of his garment, He can make me well. And so she does. And she sneaks up and she, you know, does one of these. And Jesus feels that power has left him. And he says, who touched me? Now, if you've ever been in a mosh pit where people are getting bounced like this, that's what kind of, I imagine this throng is going, these streets are not that wide, and they're getting jostled, and, and he says, who, who touched me? <laughs> and the disciples are saying, excuse me? Who didn't touch you? I mean, I've been just banging into four times in the last ten seconds. He said, no. Somebody touched me, and, and she knows what's going on. And she is a woman who has touched Jesus. She's a woman who has touched a holy man. You need to understand this is not done. She has just made Jesus unclean. She has an issue of blood. She is ritualistically impure. If he touches her, he is now ritualistically impure cannot go to the synagogue cannot go to the temple this is not good and he looks at her and she she knows all this she at this point what would you do i'd be like i mean my backup wheels would be going really well And fall at his feet and confess what she has done, knowing that she's probably going to get creamed. Literally creamed for doing it. And he just looks at her and says, First of all, what doesn't Jesus say? What doesn't. This is an open ended question here. Again, everything is right here as well because he doesn't say lots of things. How How dare you! He doesn't say, how dare you? Who gets credit for the healing? She does. He doesn't say, this is your lucky day. I was here. Boy, you are so lucky I am here. It's all about me. He doesn't say that. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Unbelievable. Expected miracles. Do we expect our faith to make us well? I do. Thank you. We expect our faith, what, to make someone else well, don't we? Yeah. How many of you pray for yourselves on a regular basis? Be honest. You know what? And some of you are looking like, yeah, I do. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know. Why are we embarrassed about doing what Jesus says we should do? Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day. Give me this day. Good. Is, this, is this really annoying? Okay. He doesn't say it's all about me. He says your faith has made you well. And, and are we able to do this? Are we able to say, I need help, oh God. I could use a little balm in Gilead. And the crowd is watching this happen, and it's kind of like when the woman is, you know, going to be stoned for adultery. And, I mean, if you think this is good theater, that's really good theater, right? And, well, you know, we've caught this woman of ill repute, you know, what shall we do? The law of Moses is really clear. Here are the stones, and Jesus is drawing in the dirt and says, you know, you who are without sin cast the first stone, and everybody disperses. The crowd now has just missed a really opportunity to see this woman be dressed down. Do we like that? Or do we secretly like it when somebody gets it? Can you think of a politician you don't really like? Anybody? Can anybody do that? And every once in a while, they really get what's coming to them. And don't we think that poor man or that poor televangelist who has been (laughs) condemning everybody for, if you ever see a a televangelist, you know, um, really go off on porn, you know he's got a stack under his bed this deep. (laughs) Okay, But, you know, uh, know, whatever their issue is, they, they have an issue with. But don't, don't we, don't we kind of like it when somebody gets what's coming to them? Don't we do that? We shouldn't. we shouldn't. That poor man, you think he got what he deserved. Is that us in the crowd? are we just grateful for the woman and are amazed? One of the things Mary LaRusso mentioned was that Jesus was on his way to do something else when this happened. This is a miracle story within a miracle story. And finally he shows up at the daughter's house, and just before he gets there, the people come out and say, She's already dead. Don't trouble the master any any longer. Just, you know, it's too late. And again, Jesus doesn't say, It's not too late. I'm here. I have arrived. You know, which is what I would do. He says, She's sleeping. She's fine, she's just sleeping. And they laugh at him because he's an idiot. And he puts him out of the house and he goes up and he takes her, he calls her, little girl, get up. Little girl, rise. And she does. Why does he do this? Why does not, why does he raise her? But why does he say she's sleeping? If he doesn't, what does he turn her into? A circus animal. How would you like to be the girl? Oh, you're the girl who was raised from the dead. What was that like? He saves her a lifetime of finger pointing. That in of itself is a miracle. He saved her a lifetime of like, oh my word, you're different, you're set apart. Jesus is always saying, don't tell anybody what just happened to you. For them, not for him. But for them. Where are we in the story? Who are you in this story? What character do you relate to? Which character do you want to relate to? And one of the wonderful things about the story is that the woman, the little girl, she lives. But let's be honest, they don't all live, do they? Jesus wasn't there to help another little girl. Recently we had a a woman in our congregation, Karen Brackenberry, who got sick and who lived much longer than the, the odds said she should have lived and the healing touch was with her, you know, a lot. And certainly Phyllis and Judy and, you know, the family were, you know, did healing work on her. And, and I know it helped, but she died. I'm not here to stand and say, you know, this stuff will keep you from death. Because if I did, you'd all say, he's an idiot. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm not an idiot. It just means that I'm not an idiot about this. So you can still hold on to that thought. If you need to hold on to that thought, you're absolutely entitled to. I do. But I'm not here to say everything is going to be okay in the way we expect. And yet the question remains is are there in fact not unexpected miracles? And one of the unexpected miracles today we're going to talk about is going to be shared by Connie, Karen's partner. I'll pick this up in just a second.
2: I'm writing this in the hopes that it might comfort some of you, enlighten others of you, or just be interesting to the rest of you. I went to church last Sunday, as I usually do, and found that I was unusually emotional. As I offered my prayer of thanks to our congregation for for helping me through the difficult times of my partner Karen's death, and thanking God for bringing me Karen's niece, Wendy, to live with me and help me through the loneliness that comes when the person you love dies, I found I was welling up with tears throughout the entire service. After church, I went home and took a nap and had the most incredible dream that I feel compelled to share with whoever it might help. When I laid down, I felt that once again the center of my of my jigsaw puzzle was missing. You see, as I said at Karen's memorial service, that I felt that throughout my life, I felt like a jigsaw puzzle with a piece missing in the center. I had gone through life looking for my missing jigsaw puzzle piece. In my many relationships, I could never find the right one. Each relationship didn't quite fit. It was too big too small, too high, too low. But when I finally met Karen, the puzzle piece fit perfectly. And for the 18 years that we were together, I never once experienced that hole in the center of my life. So I laid down to take my nap after church last Sunday, missing Karen terribly. I dreamt that the family had taken a trip to Rome for a memorial service in Karen's honor. As you know, Karen was a very special person who had helped countless people in her lifetime. The service was held at a beautiful hotel and there was a statue of Karen in the center of the meeting room, dressed in flowing white garments with a list of all the kind acts she had done. I was so proud to have been her partner. And the entire staff from the waiters to the bellman, to the people at the front desk, seemed to know of her many good deeds. This was no ordinary hotel, but one that specialized in such services. I decided I didn't want to wait any longer to be with her again, and somehow I died at that moment. Then began the most incredible journey. I rode on a seat with chains on each side, and what looked like a multicolored parachute on top. And all the time I talked with God. I rode up through the stained glass windows of the hotel and then above the beautiful streets of Rome. All the while I could hear the most beautiful music and the sounds of children laughing as they played in the streets. When we finally got to the ocean, I became frightened and I tightly had held on to the chains on either side of me. And God told me that that was okay but he assured me I was safely in his hands. As we crossed the ocean, the sky was the most gorgeous blue and I saw fish and beautiful ocean life in great detail. Ocean life I had never seen in real life. And I couldn't help thinking how sad it was that we were losing so many of these beautiful creatures. We passed a cruise ship and rode above it for quite a while. Finally, we passed the Statue of Liberty the ghetto streets of New York, as well as the wealthy New York neighborhoods. And God told me how sad this dichotomy was to him. Then through the awesome Grand Canyon and finally above my hometown of Chicago where I was born and raised. Then through the beautiful clouds above till we finally reached heaven where I embraced Karen and she told me how wonderful it was there she asked me to return with a message from her. She wanted everybody to know they need not be afraid of dying because our time on earth is so short and our life in heaven is so beautiful beyond anything we could conceive of. She also wanted to assure those of us in our congregation and elsewhere in the world that although we are so saddened when our loved ones are dying, It means that either they have learned what they were sent here to learn or that they are needed more in heaven. So I am delivering this message to you exactly as I dreamt it. Now I know some of you are thinking I'm crazy and I want you to know it's totally out of character for me to write this. Even though BJ tells me it's not out of character, it feels out of character. Plus, I had no time to do this last Sunday. I had other things I needed to work on. But I have learned from experience that if you don't write these things down right away, you lose them. Plus, I know that there were times when I was a national speaker where I would say something profound on stage and then think to myself, where did that come from? I didn't know that. And I knew at times like that that I was just a conduit delivering a message from a higher source. But the main reason I wanted to share this message with you is that Karen said this to Phyllis right before she died. She said, I can do so much more for you where I'm going than I can do from where I am now. And since then, incredible things have been happening, one of which I will be sharing with you in the near future. So I end by saying, amen, and God bless you all.
1: Karen died, and we are a people of dreams. This was an unexpected, I would call, miracle, dream, vision, whatever you want to call it. Do we expect miracles? Do we expect miracles for ourselves, for our church, for our families, for our communities? Do we expect that? Will Jesus be able to say to you, daughter, your faith has made you well? Connie knew what she needed from Karen. That peace and we all have a piece that's there. Where do you fit in today's story? Who are you? Are you walking among the crowd just kind of watching what's going on? Are you one of the players? Have you been humbled enough that you have to fall on your knees and say, I need help? Or when you see the help is there, Do you have the courage to reach out and take it? Where are you in the story? And the answer to that question makes all the difference. We are a people of miracles. And that's good news.